0: Well, I hope you have your Bibles and your pens ready, Uh, maybe a cup of coffee or something, because we're gonna hear an amazing word from Pastor Dave about what it means to be changing during change. Amen, God bless you. Hey, good morning, Hillside. It is good to be in the house of God with you this morning. It is good to be in your house with you this morning. In case we haven't met, you may be new to our online platform or if you're just simply new to Hillside Christian Fellowship, my name is Dave Morris, I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside and uh, we have a marvelous family. We are a loving family, we are a caring family and we are a family that sticks together no matter what comes our way. Anyway, today we would normally be uh, going through Acts, the tail end of Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5 but we were feeling in our hearts and in our spirits that uh, it might be time to just quickly deviate from our act study or use that portion of Scripture as kind of a platform and a launch place to uh, navigate into a conversation about navigating change in the midst of change. So changing where things are changing all around us, how are we to be changing? How are we to be responding? How are we to be... Uh, As Christ's ambassadors, how do we operate as a church and how do we navigate as families and individuals uh, in the body of Christ? And so today's message is going to be slightly different. Uh, It's probably more of a topical study uh, for me than it would be uh, uh, maybe a chapter by chapter, kind of book by book, uh, verse by verse kind of study. And so uh, thinking about the book of Acts, uh, it it is a timely study for us in that, You have a whole group of Israelite people that had a form of worship and a model of worship and a kind of a religious disposition, faith in God, belief in the Word of God in the promises of God and all of those kinds of things, but the church was about to be birthed. And so things were changing. Jesus came on the scene, and he was even correcting their theology. But beyond those pieces, he was bringing about a true worship, a true worship, and an individual worship, and a co- congregational or collaborative kind of worship, and going to be introducing what was really a mystery to all of the previous generations. And uh, this is that there was going to be this period of time known as the church era, and how The church was going to be functioning. And so the book of Acts really reveals to us how the church was going to function. But for all of the Israelites that were becoming followers of Christ, it was radically different than what they were used to. Radically different than what their heritage had been. Radically different than what any legacy that any of their forefathers had left for them and the inscription and prescription for worship from the law of Moses. And so this was a, a radical time of changing. And as we are navigating many changes in our day, we are living in unprecedented times. With the COVID-19 and the pandemic that we are living in the midst of, our very living literally changed overnight. How we function as families literally changed overnight. How we do commerce changed literally overnight. How we interact with one another, how we do spiritual worship literally changed overnight. And so we have been making adjustments. And not only the COVID 19, now, even more recently, with all of the civil unrest and what is unfolded there. Certainly in this year of election, the political divide that is across this nation, and if you look on a global scale, some of the political things that are happening and the civil unrest on a global scale, certainly causing the church to reevaluate how we function and how we operate and what is really the most important, and our leaning on the Lord and turning our hearts toward God. and seeking the Lord while he may be found and calling upon him while he is near. And so uh, amidst the uh, employment upheavals, the unemployment that is going on right now, those that have been put on uh, uh, furlough, those who have been laid off, those who simply have lost their jobs because businesses have closed. This has caused a tremendous upheaval in how we do life period. And stay at home, stay safe initiatives, working from homes, let's face it, educating our children from homes, that that has been a different scenario. And we're not certain what that's going to look like come the fall of this year. What will the fall of 2020-2021 school season look like? Will there be brick and mortar schools? Will it all be homeschools? Will moms have to be or dads have to be working from home so that they can be overseeing their kids and all those things? It has created an upheaval for us. And so so the book of Acts certainly is a good platform to launch from there, and it causes me to think about uh, even even the Israelites in their history. If we did a cursory review of the history of the Israelites, which in fact we will do, uh, we would we would be reminded, and certainly probably my favorite time period with the nation of Israel, not because of their position in their state that they were in in a spiritual disposition to the things of God. But it's just a radical time of history and the power of God and the fulfillment of prophecy and so forth. But a favorite time for me was when the Israelites went into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. It was about 605 BC and uh, the northern tribes had already been completely uh, eradicated or assimilated if you will in the Assyrian uh, nation and and people and they, they ceased to exist in 722 BC and now some 120 years later in 605 BC the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin known as Judah they were going to go into captivity. The prophet Jeremiah had prophesied these things and they had 70 years that they were going to be in captivity. They went from Their normalcy of worship in the temple, where there was the sacrificial system, there was the seven annual feasts, there were the three feasts where every able-bodied male would make their sojourn to Jerusalem so that they could have that corporate worship time, that corporate forgiveness time, that corporate time of sacrifice and giving at the temple, and that was three times a year. So these festivals, that was a massive deal. Literally overnight that changed for them. Their model and their methods, their way of life radically changed literally overnight. And so we look at that and we think, well, how did they navigate? How did they maintain their national identity? They ceased to be a nation, so to speak, And they lost that national identity. Now they they will regain it for a portion of time, some 70 years later. And it's an amazing story. You can certainly, uh, Jeremiah was prophesying during those days. Ezekiel prophesied during those days. Daniel was a young man, prophesied during those days. The whole book of Daniel goes through that time with Nebuchadnezzar and then into the Syrian, uh, excuse me, into the uh, uh, Medo Persian uh, empire under uh, Cyrus and then uh, multiple other kings. Um, And then you go into the story of Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, the last three of the historical books in the Old Testament. Powerful presentation, powerful picture, powerful narrative, powerful truths about their transformation and how they navigated and maintained their spiritual identity. And so here we are in the midst of change, Things are very, very different for us as a church. For for a number of reasons, at Hillside, we we were in the process, and we've been different from day one because we set up and tear down in a school. For 16 years, we have been setting up and tearing down. And over the last two years, we've acquired two properties And we've been in the process of, uh, you know, there was a a merger with another church, and we took the Damascus campus, and uh, Damascus campus became part of the Hillside family, and we we melded, and it was a beautiful meld, and we launched a, a second campus. We were in the process of launching a third campus over in Gladstone, and then this hit. So several things were different for us. We've been setting up and tearing down. Then we went into a remodel stage of some buildings that we now own and we were launching new campuses so people were being separated. Those are changes and those are big changes. But it is God's design to grow. It's God's design to plant churches. It's God's design to grow and multiply, so to speak. And so we think, okay, let's go, God. We got this. Well, then COVID hits and things change all over again. No longer meeting in a school, no longer meeting in a building period, an online platform, people having home church, people having home church with just their families. In some cases, that's just individuals sitting and watching our services online. Very, very different. And yet, we look at Israel's history and the scripture, Paul twice under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reminds us those things happened and they were written down for our admonition. They occurred, and they were written for our learning, he says the second time, for our learning. And so we can grow by seeing how Israel maintained their national identity when things had radically changed, and they could no longer do worship and ministry and life as they had once done it. And We're in that same kind of abode. And so I believe that there are excellent examples in Israel's history. Certainly we could see it in Acts. Certainly we could see it in that time period that I just referenced with the the Babylonian Empire coming in in 605 B.C. all the way to uh, 535 B.C. and even into the time with Cyrus because it became another change in 535 B.C. when they went back and rebuilt the temple and there were many, many things that are there. But what I'd like to do today, rather than launching from Acts, rather than launching from that favorite time period of mine, I'd like us to go back a little further in Israel's history. And I'd like to go back to the time of the Exodus. Because the Israelites at that point had been 430 years in Egypt. 430 years. Some of that time was prosperous under Joseph when Joseph, and you know the story, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Abraham had a child, the son of promise, Isaac, and then Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. The, uh, the older would serve the younger, and Jacob became the, the, the son of choice, if you will, or the one in whom God's favor and plan was associated with, and Jacob had 12 sons. His 11th son was Joseph. The other brothers were jealous of the father's relationship with Joseph, and so they sold Joseph into slavery. Some Ishmaelites on their caravan down into Egypt. Well, in the process of time, God raised Joseph up to be the prime minister of Egypt, the number two guy, and ultimately with the famine in the land, the brothers came down south and I won't go into all the details of the story, but ultimately they go back and get their dad and their brother Benjamin and the entire family, and some 70 people in the family move into the land of Goshen in Egypt. So they entered into Egypt as a family, and they're going to exit Egypt as a nation. And it's going to be an entirely different scenario for them. Under Moses, they're going to re- receive the Mosaic Law. They're going to receive the Passover. They're going to receive the entire Mosaic Feast of some seven feasts. So their entire worship of God is going to be transformed. And I, today what I really want to do is I want to share uh, some trustworthy navigational truths of our God. And I want to share maybe some compass points associated with that and then in an area of nurturing, uh, I, I want to focus on some trustworthy nurturing that you and I can have a part in as we look at what the Israelites did. And so, uh, I, I've given a little bit of history. Um, let's uh, let's let's dive into let's just dive into our study. I want to I want to read a couple portions of scripture out of. Exodus chapter 13 and Exodus chapter 14. Again, the platform you could look at Acts chapter 4, the last. Probably 10 verses there uh, where the disciples had everything in common, and there was a spirit of generosity, there was a spirit of one accordness, there was unity, and all, all needs were being met. And you roll into chapter 5 and the story of Ananias and Sapphira, where they were portraying one thing but doing another thing, and they lied to the Holy Spirit and they, they dropped dead. I mean, it was just, I mean, the church was changing. It was a big deal. You go read those portions and we will be coming back to those portions in the weeks to come. But that is a platform. And if you want to do a little study, you can read Daniel, you can read Ezra, you can read Nehemiah, and you can read Esther. It'll keep you busy for an hour or two. Excellent reminders of transformation in the midst of things changing all around us and how we adapt, how we navigate amidst change. And so Let me just say this from chapter 12 and verse 40. It says, Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. So 430 years of history, 430 years of navigating, settling in into the land of Egypt, and they faced. Good things, they faced bad things. Ultimately, they were in bondage. The scripture says that Egypt was known as the house of bondage. And the children of Israel were oppressed. You can read through chapters 3 and 6 and you'll discover God even sees their oppression. He knows their heart. He knows their sorrows. And so there was tremendous difficulty. I mean, at the time that Moses was being born, all the male children were being slain. That's tremendous oppression. Okay, So we come to chapter 13, and I'm going to read some portions in here. I might even read the entire chapter and read the entire chapter of 14 as well. And I want you to just kind of tune in and mentally see, you know, you'll have some visionary pictures of what, uh, what this could have looked like. So it says in chapter 13, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place, and no leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give to you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Now, it's been 430 years. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham received promises from the Lord. And now Moses, instructed by the Lord, he's reminding the people of that day something that had been promised 430 years earlier. They probably were mindful of those promises because they knew they were Jews, they knew they were a family, they knew they were a people. But imagine how distant that probably felt to them at that time. And so he's saying, remember, remember, remember. And he says this, Seven days you shall not or you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. And so their very living was going to change. That During that time, all leaven had to be completely removed. So there is a, a picture in this too. Leaven in Scripture is a type of sin. So this is life of holiness, getting rid of sin in our lives. I want to say to all of us, these are not days to be indulging. These are not days to be maintaining. These are days to be growing. We should be looking and where there's sin, we should be repenting. Where there's disobedience we should be repenting and we should be looking toward and moving toward a life of holiness. And he says, and, I shall tell your, uh, and you shall tell your son in that day, saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand and a, as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law uh, may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you up out of Egypt, and you shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. Uh, let me jump from uh, verse 10 to verse 17. It says here, this is the wilderness way if you have a title, and it says, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God didn't, uh, did not... Uh, That God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. That's a significant piece. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. And so... There is a remembrance of the days of Joseph, and Moses is now reminding them, and so they're taking the bones of Joseph with them into this new land, if you will. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped at Etham, at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night." He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night for before his people. Verse, or chapter 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp from pi Haheroth between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal-zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed in on them. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Listen, in the midst of our own crisis in the midst of the changes that are going around us, believe me when I tell you that God is revealing himself to those who are outside the family of God. This is an opportunity and a time for you and I to shine as bright lights. This is a time for you and I to not be living in a sequestered way, but this is a time for you and I to be in a growth mode, letting our flames burn brightly, putting our flame upon a hill and shining brightly for those around us to see. And they may not see us in that corporate setting like we're used to. It may be on individual bases, but... People are watching you. People are watching how you are responding to the change. People are watching how your family is reacting. People are watching how you are responding in faith. And I want to encourage you to respond in faith. Not by what you see, not by what you hear, not by what you think. But by what the word of God says and what the promises of God that you and I are standing on simply say. Let us believe those, let us stand there, and let's watch people on the outside look and say, I need what you have because you have a peace that I do not have. And so I want to encourage you in that area. It says, uh, and now it was told, uh, verse 5 of chapter 14, now it was told uh, told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains on every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them Uh, all the horses, the chariots, and Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea before Pi-ha-harath, before baal Zephon. Verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew near the children of Israel, lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because There were no graves in Egypt? Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness." And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. I will, uh, I'll pick back up in verse 15 here in a few moments. Let's, let's look at three points to navigate changes. Three, three trustworthy navigational truths about God. The first is I believe that we should expect God to lead amidst changing circumstances. Our expectation should be that God is going to lead his people as he has always led his people amidst changes that are happening all around us and changes that may be happening in the very fabric of how we have historically done spiritual worship. And so we look at Exodus chapter 3 and verses 17 and 18. And again, it simply says that it came to pass, um, yeah, 17 and 18, that it came to pass that Pharaoh uh, had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of land of the Philistines, although that was near. In other words, that was the easy way to go. Hey, we could just go up the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. But God said, I'm not going to do that. And I believe that sometimes God's leading is not going to always be the best way. Excuse me, it's always going to be through the best way. It's not always going to be the easiest way. Those things that are worth having are worth fighting for. And so sometimes the fight is in the struggle. Sometimes the fight is in the difficulty. Sometimes the fight is in the struggle of overcoming so to speak and that really is change so many of us don't like change so many of us don't like um, just flat out don't like change I guess is the best way to say that God knows the heart of man and God knows your heart and my heart And if things get difficult, he knows, or if things get to where it's going to be an all-out battle, so to speak, he knows that our tendency is going to be to turn around and look back at how things were maybe easier over there. And we forget what that was like previously. We forget the difficulties of, you know, they were under bondage, people were being killed, the babies were being killed, families were being torn apart. I mean, it was it was difficult labor. I mean, if they didn't do their uh, status quo on the number of bricks that they were producing on a daily basis, they had the hay taken from them, and then they had to make more bricks. I mean, it was just a very, very strenuous and difficult time, the people that were over the labor force, they were called taskmasters, and they were brutal to the children of Israel, and so they were forgetting these things, and so God knows the heart of man. He says, I'm not going to take them this way because if they see war, which they haven't seen war for 430 years, if they see war, they're going to want to go back. They're going to forget what it was like and think that rather than war, I'm going to go here. So he says, I'm going to take you a different way, and he takes them a different way. God's leading He'll always take us the best way, but the best way will not always be the easiest way. So, uh, hey, when things are getting difficult, when things are fearful, when things are frustrating, and when things are uncomfortable, uh, remember, it's not always the easiest way. God knows your heart. God knows my heart and our tendency to look back. Uh, The scripture tells us, lest perhaps the people change their minds uh, when they see war and want to go back to Egypt. That's... Let's not do that. God will lead you through the bold way also, the best way and the bold way. Uh, God goes before us. Look at the next few verses, in uh, verses uh, 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and by night. And so God goes before us. He goes before us both to lead and to light. To lead and to light. He leads our way. And sometimes when it feels like we're walking in darkness, he'll light the path. Praise God. So that's the first navigational point. Expect God to lead in the midst of change. The second is expect God to speak to you amidst changing circumstances. And not only to you specifically. Husbands and fathers, I want to speak to you directly. He will speak to you as the head of your household. He will speak to you as the lead in not only your immediate community of your family, but the immediate community that you live in. He will speak to you, perhaps even as a lead role in any local church. He will speak to the leaders of the church, the deacons, the elders, the pastors, those that are in leadership roles, uh, the, the ministry team leaders, and all of those who are serving in lead roles, life group leaders. God is speaking. And in the midst of his speaking, he is conveying truths. And always when he speaks, predominantly when he speaks, he speaks through his word. He speaks by his spirit in our hearts and in our soul. He prompts us. He never violates the written word. If you're being prompted to do something, you can confirm that by the word of God. As a leadership team, that's what we're doing. We are praying. We are seeking the Lord. We are asking for confirmation in God's word. We are asking for confirmation in the unity of the leadership team. We believe that God is leading us during these days. And we are asking you to believe with us in these ways as we navigate some of the changes that we're making. I know at this time, many are saying, hey, why don't we just do this? And 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 believe me when I say to you, we have processed every method of corporate worship that people are doing. And we are looking into some additional things that we might be doing. But to this point, we feel it best and safest that we are not meeting in a corporate gathering at this time. So we're asking for your trust. We believe it is the leading of the Lord. First of all, we want to obey the governing authorities over us. Romans 13 challenges us to do that. And Romans 13 says obey. And so we are in phase one. We cannot have gatherings of more than 25 people. And so that, that, that has an impact. And even if you meet outside, you, if you have a gathering, it's not supposed to be greater than 25 people. And I know people are saying things like, well, do we obey the government or do we obey God? God says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Well, let's not take that out of context. That was written in the first century. And people weren't gathering together in homes and life groups. They were staying home on the first day of the, uh, of the week. Because they they, Scripture says, as is a custom for many. And we use that often to say, hey, you should come to church on Sunday. And I think that's healthy, and I think that's right. But at the same time, we are gathering in a different way today. We are gathering in life groups throughout the week, and we are gathering as families. And some families are inviting other families to come and join them for worship on Sunday mornings as we have our online platforms. We are still doing all of the things that the apostles did in those early days in Acts We are are gathering together with family members. Remember, where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, he's there. That's church. And remember, we don't go to church. We are the church. Church has not stopped. Church has not stopped. The way we gather has simply changed. But where two or three are gathered, there's church. And so as there's families getting together, even if you're an individual at your home, we we just want to encourage you in a safe way, mask up. Keep social distancing. Have some people over. Invite some folks over. Or go meet in a common place where you can have a computer open and have earbuds in and listen to the service and watch the service and have a little bit of fellowship. There's ways to do that. But we can be gathering in homes throughout the week and keeping safe that way. And so I want to encourage you. It's it's different today, but we are navigating and we are staying within the parameters. And the ultimate goal for us is your safety, the safety of your family, the safety of your loved ones, the safety of your uh, adult parents, uh, certainly your children and the family. And so we are asking you to pray with us. Be encouraged. God's moving. Nebuchadnezzar's days, 70 years of change. We're going on three months, three and a half months. Uh, this, The Israelites here, 430 years, and now they're going into this exodus for 40 years. It's going to be totally different. right? We can navigate these days together, and we can do this uh, through some of these trustworthy navigational truths about our God. Number one, he leads us. Number two, he speaks to us. And, uh, and I believe that we need to learn to discern the voice of the Lord over our own desires. Learn to discern the voice of the Spirit in you over your own desires. Test those voices. Do they align with what the Word of God says? And like the Israelites coming to the River Jordan when they were uh, moving in in the book of Joshua into the promised land, the River Jordan was flowing and uh, they had the Ark of the Covenant and the priests, they had to literally put their feet in the water before God stopped the water. So we say, we, we use that phrase, test the waters, test the waters, test the waters. Well, when, when God does those things and opens doors, we say, okay, that was, that was probably the Lord. That was probably the Lord. And the longer we walk with the Lord, the more familiar that becomes and the more confident we can become in how God is speaking to us as individuals, both by his word and by his spirit in our lives. Um, So expect God to lead. Expect God to speak. And I want to encourage you to expect God to both provide and to protect. Provide and protect. When you see your circumstances undergoing dramatic changes, as you see things with the natural eye, the potential threats all around—physical, emotional, social, uh, relational, spiritual, wherever it may be—listen to the words of God through Moses to the children of Israelite. To, to the children of Israel, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Everything around you could seem like it's crumbling. Don't be afraid. God is in control. And he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And I believe it's the difference between faith and fear. Faith and fear. Are we going to operate out of fear? Or are we going to live our lives based on fear? Or are we going to live our lives based on faith? The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Again, standing on the promises of God. Promises of God. God. The Egyptians you see, you shall see no more forever, is what God spoke to Moses to speak to the people. These these Israelites, these adversaries, these difficulties, these circumstances, these fearful realities, these chariots, these men of war, these armies that are marching in order, and all of those things by rank. Listen, God is in control. He says, the Lord will fight for you. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. You are a child of God, and he will watch over and keep you. I'm reminded in this story that he is our rear guard. If you look at Exodus chapter 14 and verse 19, it says, And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. And it says, so it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of the Israelites. God's our rear guard too. Not only is he in front of us leading us, but hey, he'll come behind us and guard us and protect us. He will stand between, he stands in the gap, if you will, between us and our adversaries, between us and the circumstances of life that can be coming our way. So, We can expect the Lord to do these things. Uh, And he he says he will fight your, your battle and you shall hold your peace. You can hold your peace. And you can be at peace. Remember Philippians 4 and verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in all things. Through prayer, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you will allow his governess in your life in an ever-increasing manner, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. But it doesn't stop there. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. If we will simply allow the Lord to navigate the changes in the midst of our changing times, peace can be held by all believers. So I want to encourage you in that regard. The Lord will frustrate our adversaries. Hey, listen, it, again in chapter 14, if you go to verse 24, it says, now it came to pass in the morning, uh, watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. So hey, listen, it, could be all, it can be all a torrent around, uh, and you can be fearful in all these things, and it seems like everything is coming at you. And just when you think it's going to be over, God will frustrate the plans of your enemy and my enemy. It could be in a supernatural realm. It could be in the natural realm. But God is in charge and he frustrates the plans of the evil one. And I believe that's a principle uh, that God's provision and his protection, he uses that as a methodology. The Lord will provide secure passage or transitions in the midst of changing circumstances. For these folks... They're right there at the Red Sea. He said to Moses, lift up your staff and divide the waters. A strong wind came, the waters divided, there was a wall on either side, and the children of Israel walked across on dry ground. That's a secure passage. Navigating truths, trustworthy navigating truths. Expect God to lead, expect God to speak, expect God to both provide and protect in the process and transitions of life. Now I wanna just share a couple nurturing thoughts too before we come to a close this morning and these will be relatively quick. These are uh, trustworthy, nurturing principles in the kingdom of God. They're just nurturing both for self and for others. How we nurture ourselves and how we nurture others in the midst of change, in the midst of even the changing of how we do life, how we do, how we are spiritual in our worship, if you will. If you remember back in Exodus thirteen three, I said there was a significant portion of scripture, and I said uh, I quoted that. Remember what the Lord has done in your midst. Remember, remember, and I think it's significant for us on a very short term basis that our church has been in existence for sixteen years. I think it's significant for us to remember what God has done thus far. Let's not forget what God has done over these 16 years and the amazing ministry and the amazing impact and the amazing connection that God has positioned our church to be engaged in. Amazing, amazing people doing amazing, amazing things. I am so thrilled to be the pastor of Hillside Christian Fellowship, a loving people that lovingly loves its own people and lovingly loves those who are in the community, those that have been marginalized because of the hardships of life, all the way across the board, engaged in bringing a unity into the body of Christ, working with other churches, collaborative efforts, all kinds of just absolutely powerful, powerful truths. Let's not forget what God has done. But the beauty is God has great things in front of us, and it will be different. It's going to be a little bit different how we do it. We don't know how long this this COVID thing is going to be going on. We don't know how long this phase one is going to be. We don't know how long there's going to be. How long will you be wearing a mask? We have no idea. Things will be different. But it doesn't mean that... We need to look back and say, oh, I wish it was this way. No, we're going to allow God to lead us in this change. We're going to allow God to speak to us in the midst of the change. We're going to allow God to provide and protect for us in this change. And we're going to remember what God has done because it's going to cause us to think about what he's going to do, greater things in store. And then he went on to say in Exodus 13, 8, tell the stories of what the Lord has done in your midst. So remember the stories of what the Lord has done in your midst and then tell the stories. listen. Even on our church online platforms, we have new family members that have become a part of Hillside across these United States, some even on a global scale. We have new family members. They need to hear about what God has done. They need to hear our story. We can simplify that story, but telling our story, how God started the church, how God opened up doors for us in the school district, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's powerful for new family members, for new believers in our midst. When people come to Jesus, well, that's exciting. We want to see that happen, and we want to inspire them and encourage them with things of uh, what God has done. Hey, how about the next generation? We have babies being born. Come on, can I get an amen? Natural church growth. Those kids and our young kids, they need to hear about the exploits of the Lord through this fellowship and how God has moved in our midst. And so... Remember what the Lord has done. Tell the stories of what the Lord has done. And then I just want to say this one thing. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10, a significant verse, it says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. We need to call out to the Lord. We need to remember what he's done. We need to tell the stories of what he's done and we need to call upon him while he's near. The Lord is near and let's call on the Lord. Listen, Abraham, God spoke to Abraham and said in Genesis chapter 15, he said, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. We need to call on the one who is our defender. We need to call on the one who is our protector. The Lord God is our shield. Uh, 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 Galatians chapter uh, 3, I believe it is in verse 9, says, we are blessed with believing Abraham, which means if he was Abraham's shield, hey, we are blessed with believing Abraham. In other words, the same blessings that Abraham had, we, we are blessed with those blessings. He is our shield. That's super exciting. So we can call on the one who is our pr- protector. The Lord is our provider, Jehovah-Jireh. We see that in Abraham's life, Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. We see the significance of what God did there. The Lord is our banner, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our healer, Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is our shepherd, Jehovah Ra'ah. The Lord is our righteousness, Jehovah Sitkanu. He's our righteousness. Thanks be to God. When you sin and you fail and you fall, we have one we can turn to who's an advocate for us. Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord, our righteousness. Man, thanks be to God we don't stand in his presence in our own righteousness Scripture tells us our righteousness is but filthy rags in his presence. Thanks be to God. The Lord, our sanctifier, Jehovah Mikodishkem. Say that one. Mikodishkem. That's good. And he is the one who sanctifies our lives. He's transforming us from what we once were to what we are, both on an individual basis and, I believe, on a corporate basis. The Lord, our peace. Jehovah, shalom. Let's call on the Lord. So, Church family, as we navigate, changes all around us. Changes in your life individually, changes in how you do life and all of those engagements of life and commerce that you are involved in, your spiritual life and all of those pieces. We can maintain our identity as the body of Christ through the spiritual disciplines and by allowing the Lord's navigating in our lives individually and corporately as a church. Let's expect God to lead us. Let's expect God to speak to us. Let's expect God to provide and protect us. And let's remember what God has done. Let's tell the stories of the things that the Lord has done and is doing and will do. And let's call upon the Lord, the one who is all of these things in our lives. He is our shield, provider, banner, healer, shepherd, righteousness. He is our sanctifier. He is our peace. I pray you're encouraged today. Because the changes aren't over. I'm expecting that there will be more changes coming down the pike. I'm expecting that there will be a greater persecution for and toward the church. We want to we rise above and we want to stay true to the word of God. We want to stay true to the Lord God Almighty. Pray with me this morning. These navigation and nurturing truths are trustworthy in the Lord. Pray with me this morning. Father, in the name of your Son Jesus, I thank you so much for our fellowship. I thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy and your peace and your leadership in our lives and the director of our lives, the great orchestrator of our lives, both individually and collectively. You are God. Jesus, you are King. Lead us. We, we, we are ready to follow where you lead. Lord, speak to us. We expect you to speak to us because your word says that you speak to your children. Lord, will you provide and protect for every family member of Hillside, every member of the body of Christ that calls Hillside home. Lord, will you meet every need according to your riches and glory in Christ. Father, help us to remember all that you have done in our lives. Those who are call hillside home, the things that they can be reminded of all, the good things that you have done. Even amidst hardships and difficulties, the good things, God, that you have done. Not always the easiest way, but always the best way. And always the boldest way. God, you do magnanimous things in us and for us. Let us tell those that are the next generations. Let us tell those who are new in the family. Let us tell those who are new in the faith. And Lord, let us call on you. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we give you thanks this day. Will you bless our fellowship richly? And Lord, we ask for open doors and opportunities for us to gather in larger gatherings in the days to come. Thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. There's no church that's been closed. The church is alive. We are alive and active. Be glorified in our midst, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.